All right, we'll go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to get together. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you freely um, and just come together and learn more about you, uh, learn from each other, and learn from the message that you've given to Joseph. Lord, just help us to apply it to our lives and carry it out and share the love of Jesus with others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, uh, one of those things that I uh, have this tendency to do is uh, similar to what I, I know there, there's kind of shows that, that have already kind of made business out of. And that's, you may be familiar with or have heard of the uh, show that's called like Adam Ruins Everything, where he goes through and he like explains things that we all kind of just like accept and enjoy, but then he goes through and explains like what's actually behind it so like you feel like you can't enjoy it anymore. Um, and in doing that, sometimes I feel like the need to do the exact same thing when it comes to Bible verses, especially ones where it's like, we just kind of take them and accept them because they sound nice and they, they kind of, you know, work out nice for what we're trying to use them for. Um, yeah, I know, but I get really upset as well whenever people use them because sometimes they're used out of context. So, um, one of those things that a lot of you guys may have either seen or you may even have up in your house, we have it in our house, so I'm pointing the finger at us as well is something, uh, a verse that, um, or at least a fragment of a verse, that uh, a lot of us will use to talk about our children, where we'll say, for this child I have prayed. And this is one of those things that we'll put out there and say, for this child I have prayed, and something that comes from 1 Samuel, and a lot of people just kind of use it as kind of like a generic, like, I've prayed for this child and all that. But there's a bit more to the story there that I think makes that, uh, doesn't necessarily ruin that verse, but it definitely makes it a little bit more impactful. So I wanted to look at that a little bit today. Um, this would kind of be the only thing that we go into in this particular message, but I think there's a lot we can pull out of here, um, whether you have a child, honestly, or whether you don't. So that being said, the actual verse that we end up seeing, at least in like the uh, um, uh, CSB version, it's 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verse 27. It says, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked for. Um, so that being said, there's a lot more to this story. The person who's saying this is, is Hannah. And Hannah, the mother of Samuel, that the book would be named after, right? So there's a couple of different people that you need to know to kind of understand the story. You need to understand uh, Akana. So Akana is husband, okay? So that's husband of Hannah, father of Samuel. Okay, so we have Okana. Then we have Penina. Right, so Panina is we live in kind of this world where you know people have more than one wife, right? Uh, I can't imagine, but they have more than one wife. So they, um, uh, you have Panina who is not a nice person, and this is uh, the wife of Okana who has been able to have children and is basically antagonizing Hannah. So that's kind of what she does. That's her like little spare time thing that she does. Is she turns around and she just makes life very, very difficult for Hannah. So what we end up reading in the story of these individuals is this. So starting in verse 4, we see, Whenever the day, day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, so basically church, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. So obviously she would have been seen as a successful mother, successful wife. Uh, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. So what you end up basically seeing in here worded in kind of this, you know, uh, uh, kind of late 
Bronze Age way of writing and recording things is that you have Hannah who is not able to conceive. She's having either like fertility issues or something like that. And so for whatever reason, she couldn't have a child. And this is something that, you know, I know that we've brought it up a lot, you know, uh, in different messages and whatnot, but this is something that is very relatable because many of us have gone through this type of thing, whether it's something where you have a hard time having a child or you have a hard time, you know, uh, bringing a child to term or, or something like that, you know, that this can be an absolutely devastating thing in and of itself. Like, just for what it is, it can be hard. So you can imagine how much harder that would be if you also have on top of that the fact that there, there are social stigmas on top of it. So while today, for the most part, if these things happen to a family in our society, you know, we aren't really looking down on that person. We're looking at that individual and, you know, we're feeling a degree of sympathy. But in this day and age, because your kind of success as an individual was tied to your ability to have a household and have a family, she would have had, you know, society kind of looking at her and basically instead of showing compassion would have said like, well, what's wrong with you? So you have that going on. And then on top of that, then you also have this other wife that's in the family who is turning around and is just poking her all the time, reminding her that like, you're a failure. Not necessarily because, oh, well, this is this, this evil, heartless thing, even though it is heartless, but because she's reminding her of that cultural stigma. So you can connect that to today because uh, we do the same thing even though we don't do it about this. When you think about the things that people struggle with, that society says, yes, that's a bad thing, and they may be struggling with that, there's a lot of Christians who are more than happy to continue poking, 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 poking. I have often said that Christians are sometimes the most unforgiving individuals in our society today, which is ironic for a bunch of people who follow a Savior that's all about forgiveness. And when you have Christians who will sit here and look at somebody who is already dealing with a mistake they've made, with something they're trying to move on from, and they just keep poking, 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 poking. Well, that right there is exactly what's happening right here. That's what Panina's doing. So let's continue looking at this. Um, as we, as we kind of look into this story, you know, we end up seeing that there was, uh, uh, we end up seeing that, you know, yeah, she, she wouldn't eat. She was devastated and everything. And she was, uh, you know, felt like she got to the point she was so upset that she wouldn't eat. As we continue looking on in this story, we end up seeing another character. We end up seeing Eli. Now, Eli is another character that, I don't know about you guys, this reference may not land at all, but whenever I see Eli, I hate to say it, but one of the first references I think of is that really cool movie, Book of Eli, because it was a really good movie. That's nothing to do with that sermon. I just really wanted to bring this up, because it's an awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, you should go see it. It's really awesome. I think it's Denzel Washington. Um, but anyway, so you have Eli, and he's a priest, right? So we already mentioned that a lot of this surrounds the fact that O'Connor was going effectively to church. He was... He was offering his sacrifices. They didn't have the temple at this point in time, but you had designated areas you'd go and offer your sacrifices. And then you'd have this priest who would kind of hang around. So, you know, and he would sit here and offer up, you know, kind of support or, you know, teachings. He would be the individual that would know the, the oral law that wouldn't have been written down at this point in time. And so he's sitting here kind of observing things from the side over in church. And so we look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 through 17 now. So going on to ver, uh, verse 10. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you, only, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever, ever be used on his head. It's kind of a ceremonial thing to show like devotion to God. Uh, verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. 
Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. So this is now Hannah talking. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked for him. So there's something in here that Hannah ends up doing. And we end up knowing that obviously Samuel ends up being born. And that's that she did seek refuge in the Lord and that there was a role that the priest ended up uh, playing in this whole thing. And the only reason why I bring that up is because, you know, sometimes in our grief, we get so consumed in what we're dealing with. We get so consumed in kind of the difficulties of our own life that it can be hard to kind of see outside of just kind of, you know, experiencing your own situation. It's important in those moments to understand that there is value in reaching out, that God does hear your prayers, but not only that, that there is actually a role for individuals that are, you know, religious mentors, pastors, teachers, things, the Bible study leaders, you know, Bible study groups. There's a value in those individuals surrounding you and reminding you of the fact that God is there. It's not that God isn't there if those individuals don't talk to you, but sometimes it helps to just have that other person speaking truth into your life and letting you know that you're not going through this alone, that God is there with you and that God does hear you and that he does want blessings for you. He wants peace in your heart. And so that's exactly what we end up seeing Eli do here. So as we kind of know, because there is a not just a first Samuel, but a second Samuel, we know that a son was born. We skip on to verse uh, 20 through 22, and we see this. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband, Elkanah, went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Now, one of the things I think is interesting in here is when you look at what the name there is for Samuel, because, you know, the, the, the names always have meanings, right? And this is something that we'll say here, you can go to any kind of like knickknack shop and you can find things. They'll say, this is what your name means. And some of those are rooted in real names and some of them are just things to get 15 bucks from you. But in like the, the Hebrew society and these Canaanite societies, it actually would. Words had multiple meanings depending on the context of them. And when it was applied to a name, it would have a very defined meaning. And so Samuel, you see, means because I asked the Lord for him, which is kind of phenomenal because, I mean, it makes me think about the amount of joy that you end up having in your children. You know, there's a sense of, you know, I don't know how other people feel about it, but, I mean, there's a sense oftentimes that, you know, you sit here and oftentimes you look at your kids, especially when you have this, you know, you're kind of over kind of the initial shock to your life, you know, having to change from having these kids and they can just seem to kind of make things better. It can just seem to make, put a lot of things into perspective. Other things are going on in your life. There's one thing that I did for Phoebe when she uh, was first born. And uh, one of the things I did is I actually created like a little email account for her. And every now and then I'll send emails to this email account. And one day, one day I'll give, I'll give this thing over to her and just a little thing. Some of them are just like silly little things about her life. One time it's that she was, um, 
What was it? I think it's that she was eating like uh, a chocolate dipped in ranch dressing or something, like a Hershey Kiss dipped in ranch dressing. And I, I sent her an email and just said, uh, I just want to let you know in case you ever tell me that there's something that your mother makes that you don't want to eat, that today you were eating a chocolate kiss dipped in ranch dressing, and I'll let you decide how much you know about what you like to eat. Uh, so, because I feel like that's something that will come up later. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's things that are like going on in the world, you know, kind of surrounding her and everything that impacts her growing up. So, there was one, one email that I sent to her that I wanted to share, and it was something when she was, uh, at this point in time, would have been, you know, maybe uh, three quarters of a year old, because um, it would have been in, in June, and she was born in August, um, uh, so this is in 2020. But it says this, there's so many things going wrong in the world right now. There's a pandemic called COVID-19 that has billions of people around the world scared. There are riots in major cities around America. And even at my own job, I'm pulled away from home working until the darkest hours. Despite all of that, when I come home and see, and see you sleeping peacefully, everything seems all right. You, you are an example of God's good blessings in our life and your mother and I love you deeply. And the reason why I put that together and wanted to share that with her is because it's important for kids to know that they are blessings. You know, there's no shortage of things that kids do that drive us absolutely insane. God only knows how I would be reacting right now if I could still hear these phones going off. But, um, you know, kids, they can drive us crazy. I can tell you, especially, you know, as Phoebe is now in her third year of life, they hit that what they call three-nager, you know, where they kind of get their little attitude and everything. And she definitely hits it, you know, and has her little moments. But despite all of that, I can't help but think about all the times, you know, kind of prior to us having kids that I was like, man, I wish that we had a little child right now. And God gave us that blessing. And so it's important for us to understand that these kids are blessings. Because it can be so easy to get wrapped up in all the other aspects of life and all the other things that surround them. It can be so easy to get stressed out about all the things that we got to do for them. My God, they need to eat something for breakfast and they don't want anything that's in the cupboard and they don't want to put their clothes on, but I mean, they need to be at school right now. Like these are all things that can be so frustrating. So it's important in those moments to understand that God gave us these blessings. And because of that, we owe it to God to do something and be good stewards of these blessings, to try to offer these blessings as something back to him. You can see this in the life of Samuel, and you can see how Samuel was brought back and how Hannah did not forget the fact that Samuel was, in fact, a blessing. We continue on in verse 24, and we see this. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, a nephod, which is like a tithe, a flower and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. Quick little side note right here. The fact that Hannah went back to that priest, it's hard to describe how much that means to somebody who is a Bible study teacher or a pastor or whoever when there is something that spoke into your life because that can provide a ton of just rejuvenating energy. So you see Hannah going back to Eli and you know bringing up the fact that like I am a testimony of God's blessing this is really what she's doing here. She's sharing that blessing back with other individuals that look at how God has worked in my life. And so you see, you see Hannah not only recognizing that, but then also not forgetting God's goodness. 
In verse 27, we see that famous verse. For this child I have prayed, and the Lord has granted me what I asked him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So what you can see throughout this entire story is that this cute little verse of saying, For this child I have prayed, has this tremendous backstory in it. The whole purpose of this entire backstory is understanding not necessarily just the cuteness of the little baby and not necessarily saying like, oh, there was something I really wanted and I ended up getting it. It's not definitely not treating it like I prayed for the vending machine and the vending machine dispensed out the baby. It would be nifty if it was that easy, but it's not. Sorry. Uh, but, um, you know, what we do see Hannah doing is we see Hannah going through this experience of pain and trial and that whole time not forgetting in what she places her hope. Understanding that she places her hope in God and in God alone. And that through God's greatness, God will do what God is going to do and he will see his will borne out. So if we sit here and we worry that something's not going to happen, that we think really needs to happen, it's going to happen if God wants it to happen. God's not going to be held up. God knew that there was a plan for this child, and so the child came. What we also see in here is Hannah not forgetting that after she got what she wanted. So she didn't just get what she wanted, get her blessing, and then go off kind of doing whatever she wanted to go do. She remembered God in her sense of victory. So for that, the thing that we can take away from this and apply to our own lives is to look at the victories that God has placed in our own situations. Places where we've prayed for something, where we've wanted something desperately, and that God has come through. It's so easy in those moments to just plant the flag, say that we won, and then move on. But you know, not to sit there and to do what we should do, which, which is to sit there and dwell on the mountaintop for just a second and thank God. To just understand that those good things came as a result of God's providence in our lives. And to not forget that just as God gave, God can also take away. But then just as God has taken away in the past, so can God give. That God has the power to do all things. And in that, we can find peace and we can find comfort. No matter what it is we may be struggling with or dealing with in our lives, big and small things just kind of inside of our own personality or big life decisions and big boulders that we want moved out of our way. God has the providence to do all of those things. Find our hope and our peace in Christ because he is the one who is capable of handling all of those burdens. And then whenever we feel blessed, whether it's because we got what we wanted or whether it's because we got the peace to carry us through or whatever it is, remember that God is still just as good now in victory as he was when we thought he was worthy enough to pray to him for what we wanted. So, as we sit here and we focus on the children who are about to be born, I want to just highlight the fact that Samuel came for a purpose. God had a purpose for this blessing. He doesn't just give blessings because it's just kind of a neat thing. He's just kind of scattering random seeds all over the place, seeing which ones sprout and which ones don't. Is that there is a purpose for God's blessings. He does blessings very intentionally. You can look across the entire life of Christ, and there's meaning in each and every single little blessing that we see him bestow on other individuals that he doesn't have to do, but he does them anyway. There's meaning behind them. And so in that, we have to understand that there's meaning behind the blessings that are in our households. There's a meaning behind our blessings that are our children. And so as we sit here and we look at these individuals that are our blessings in our household, we as parents and as, as friends, as church members, as aunts and uncles and all that, we have to be willing to look at these blessings and then challenge ourselves to say, what are we doing to show our thankfulness at the blessing that God has given us? 
Are we raising this blessing up in the right way? Are we nurturing them? And are we teaching them the right things so that they can be prepared to, they themselves, be their own blessings on their own two feet to the rest of the world? That is the challenge that we all have, and it's the one thing that we can take away. So as we continue to celebrate and we continue to sit here and and, uh, go through, albeit not at the same level of involvement as you guys will be involved in this whole process, uh, but as we continue to go through, you know, and, and, and support... Uh, the different, you know, mothers and, and fathers and families in our, our congregation, our church family, we have to be willing to look and say, what is it that I can do to show my thankfulness to God, to be a part of nurturing up this blessing so that God knows that I'm not just simply treating him like the vending machine and then moving on after I get what I want, but that I understand that he truly has dominion and that I am so thankful because I asked and the Lord provided That's the thing that we have to do when we look at any of our children in our own lives or those that are all around us that we can influence. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the we thank you for the blessings that are lives, for all the children that we have that uh, you know surround us, children of our of our friends, of our neighbors, children in our own lives, uh, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, all these individuals in God. We thank you for these individuals and recognize them as blessings. We pray that you would help us to have the discernment and the wisdom to know how we should raise them up, the decisions that we should make, ways that we can help to strengthen for the world that uh, is going to surround them. Father God, we thank you for everything that uh, you've provided us in terms of the support network around our children and just pray that you would continue to surround them with individuals that can teach them your word and your truth as they uh, continue on in life's journey. In your son's precious soul name we pray. Amen.